Good evening, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Rod Babers and Ray Peters. And guys, there is a whole lot to talk about. A few hours ago, I thought there was only going to be a couple things, but <laughs> we have an action-packed, I, I don't even know where to begin. Let's start with probably the biggest news. Backup quarterback Malik Murphy announces his in intentions to enter the transfer portal. Mm, yeah. yeah. Hey, Rod, that's a lot of people were, they had that expectation, didn't they? So uh, when you have a, a room that, again, there's no confirmation yet from Quinn Ewers about coming back, but we've heard the prognosticators say that there's a very good chance that Quinn comes back. You've got Arch Manning, the number one recruit in the country last year. You got Malik with a couple of years in the system, got a little uh, action in a couple of the games uh, this season. Uh, there was kind of a uh, feeling that maybe Double M was going to put his name in the portal, don't you think? Yeah, um, I think most Longhorn fans out there uh, understood that with a jam-packed quarterback room and with the kind of new development that Quinn was going to come back, the belief was that you know Quinn was fast-tracked his entire you know, mm -hmm. career, he's pretty much been fast-tracked, right? Left high school early, you know, left Ohio State to come to Texas so he can start. The belief was he gets a first-round grade, Quinn's out, uh, and if he plays well enough. Well, I think Quinn has played really well, uh, but I heard Mel Kuyper say that he thought Quinn should go back to school. I believe the, the his representatives, uh, they, they got great connections, right? The, the NIL space allows for these guys to have NIL representation. Well, they're just agents. <laughs> they're, in, they're NFL agents, but they're NIL representatives. They're the same people, so <laughs> they they get they get great. Uh, I get great insight as to what the NFL thinks of them. I think even better insight these days than they used to. And they're telling Quinn, "Hey, you would come back to school." And this quarterback class is one of the best quarterback classes that we've seen or expected mm -hmm. to see in the NFL in the last what. 15 years or so. I mean, it's supposed to be really, really good. You got Caleb Williams, you got Drake May, Texas will see one in Michael Penix. He'll be a first round pick too. I mean, that's just three guys. You got, there'll be a lot of quarterback talent coming out this year, next year in the uh, NFL draft, you know, the year that he comes out, maybe 2025, you know, may not have so much uh, quarterback talent coming out. He'll probably be higher up on draft boards. So I just think it, it makes sense him coming back. It makes the quarterback room uh, even more jam-packed. And it seems like Arch Manning is – I don't know if he's on the fast track, but trust me, I, I was on campus with a celebrity quarterback in Chris Sims. It is hard to keep a celebrity quarterback on the field. There's just sure. a lot of momentum and a lot of discussion, a lot of talk to get that celebrity quarterback on the field. Arch Manning is part of the first family of football. You don't get more of a celebrity than a Manning on your roster. People <laughs> want to see a Manning. They want to see Arch Manning out there. They want to see him get a chance. He won't when Quinn comes back, but I think just that uh, there's no way that Malik could ignore that noise. Sure. <laughs> there's, no way you could, there's no way he ignored the noise that when Arch Manning got into the uh, the game, uh, what was that, the uh, Texas Tech game? That out of all the the ovations and the the crowd mm, losing their minds, you got the loudest ovation of the evening when Arch Manning came in. So I think Malik just understood, hey man, let me go somewhere else. I may have a better opportunity. And I think he will. He's he's looked really well. Uh, he's looked really good. He played really well in the uh, few opportunities he's had to play uh, in the in the spring game last uh, spring game. He looked really good. So I think he's got enough on film now where he'll be a coveted uh, commodity. He'll be a coveted asset in the transfer portal. Hey, Rod and Blake, can you speak to how valuable two years in the Steve Sarkeesian Quarterback Academy is? Think back to the USC guys then at Alabama. 
uh, some incredible opportunities for some guys that maybe weren't, you know, thought of that highly coming out of the college and entering the draft. And, you know, we had backups at USC and then Mac Jones, you know, waited his turn at Alabama. They all became starters. Matt Castle became a starter in the NFL, for goodness <laughs> sakes, after, you know, being a, a backup there at USC. So that two years spent was well spent for Malik, don't you think, under Sark? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, and you you made it a perfect point with Castle. Uh, I mean, you know, it seems like any anybody he touches turns to gold. I, Rod, I'm sure you have some thoughts on it as well. But you know, from a from my standpoint, I mean, there's really no better quarterback coach out there. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley's in that conversation. Obviously, is a great quarterback mind, but that's why those guys come. You know, go to Texas. That's why he was able to pack that room with you know multiple five star quarterbacks because. He's got a reputation uh, for sending quarterbacks to the NFL. Listen, the Mannings, the Mannings, the first family of football, uh, you know, one of the greatest, greatest quarterback legacies in football history. They looked at Steve Sarkeesian's offense, so did Arch. And, you know, I know it was an Arch decision, but something tells me the family had to at least sign off on the football acumen and, the, you know what I mean, the, the football system and philosophy of the coach. Um, and they, I think all the managers like, no, Sark, oh, for quarterbacks, Sark's your man. Sark's the guy. And that was before Sark even had this season, all right? Before Sark had this season, they were thinking, no, no, for quarterback development, he's definitely the guy. And now we know in terms of, you know, a, a roster building from an all-around perspective, Sark has proven himself to be one of the best coaches in college football after this season. And I think, you know, that he got that celebrity endorsement way beforehand. So, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you'll be able to attract even more quarterbacks after Malik leaves. And quarterbacks leaving, Longhead fans, any, if any of y'all are freaking out about it, I don't think any of y'all are. I think most Longhead fans are very gracious about this. And it kind of reminds me of Shane Boucher, right? Shane Boucher did the same thing. Mm-hmm. He, he at least helped Texas stabilize the position before he moved on and, you know, found better opportunities for himself. That's as much as you can ask from a a quarterback these days. The blue chip uh, quarterback transfer rate, I think, is hovering around 70%. So that's close to a 70% chance that your blue chip quarterback that comes on campus is going to transfer or is a transfer. (laughs) Is a transfer, Malik's transferring, y'all get it, all right? That's just the reality of the world that we live in these days with the quarterback position. And for that young man to stay that extra year, to help them stabilize the position. I think it shows a lot about his football character, the culture at Texas. I think he wanted to measure himself up against Quinn Ewers, highest rated QB in modern recruiting and Arch Manning, you know, first family of football, also a five-star recruit and wanted to measure himself in practice, you know, in game and see if he can compete with those guys. And -hmm. I think he proved to himself that, Hey man, I can compete. I earned the backup quarterback position. I stabilized it for us, helped us win some games. You don't you don't win the Big 12 without him. Hell, just like you didn't make it to the Big 12 without Shane Bouchel that year. All right. You that's that's how important the quarterback position is. Hell, the backup quarterback position is more important than it's ever been. Hell, Florida State is not going to a national title because the backup and there third you go. that yeah. wasn't right. Y'all listen to what I'm saying? Hell, dude, Texas make it. They don't make it to the Big 12 title game if they don't have a backup that can win them a couple of games in an emergency situation. Right now in the NFL, guys, there are 18 teams, count them, 18 of the 32 that are going to end up this weekend playing multiple quarterbacks, right, starting multiple quarterbacks at one point. It, that, that number will continue to rise. Last year it was 21 in the NFL. Last year in the Big 12, only one quarterback started every game and finished every game 
all right, for a team in the Big 12. And even this year, hell, that quarterback was dismissed because of gambling allegations, all right? <laughs> Listen, you better stockpile quarterbacks, man, like socks and underwear. Because the truth is, you're going to lose them, and they're going to want to go elsewhere. If they ain't going to play, they could get injured. There's so many things. Way more things can go wrong than can go yeah. right at quarterback. I hope people are losing their socks and not their underwear out there. <laughs> hey, Blake, I was driving down from uh, north of Waco at Lacey Lakeview most of the afternoon and missed a lot of the Malik stuff. I don't want to put you too much on the spot, but you did read something from ESPN that may have uh, that may describe a little bit of what Malik's situation is. It's your understanding that he's probably departing the team immediately, not sticking around for the January 1st Sugar Bowl? That, that is correct. So he said that he would like, and I wish I had the quote up, but basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, that he would love to stay with the team, but the timing is not going to allow him to do so. However, he did say that he will always be a Longhorn, and he uh, you know, basically was saying that he was just blessed to be a part of, of what they did this year and that he was very grateful uh, for having that opportunity. And so, you know, he had some very kind parting words. But I was actually going to ask y'all, are y'all surprised by the fact that he's not going to stay with the team and see, you know, through the college football playoff? No. I would not. I would think that, that that seems to speak that he probably has a destination in mind. Don't you think that he has something that he wants to uh, hop on while he has the opportunity and doesn't want to lose what he feels might be a good landing spot? And so if he were to wait another, what is it? Uh, we're the 13th. Well, that's three weeks away almost. So um, the opportunity, the opening that he sees there now may not be open to him if he waits that long. I don't know. This is just, again, uh, that throwing the spaghetti at the wall and hoping it sticks. So mm -hmm. maybe that's why he has made the decision to announce this now and to uh, probably uh, leave the team here pretty soon. I like that idea, right? I think that's a good theory. Another theory is just simply, like you said, I mean, spots fill up quick. Only so many starting quarterbacks, only open quarterback spots out there, especially at the Power Five level. Uh, the sooner you get out there, the sooner you put your name out there, uh, you know, before those spots fill up, the better chance you got of being one of those, uh, you know, obviously one, having better options. Uh, and being yeah. one of the quarterbacks that gets one of those more coveted spots as a uh, starting quarterback at the power five level. So I think it's, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not surprised because I think if he was another skill position, he could, he could probably just kind of wait on this thing, but at quarterback, because there's so few spots, man, you got to get your name out there and you got to start taking some visits. Uh, you know, you got to start, you know, talking to these coaches because you can only talk to them as soon as you get in the portal. Start talking to them, seeing what kind of system you want to play in. You want to play in Sark system. Sark's got a really unique system. It's a it's a unique system for a quarterback. My point is it's appealing for quarterbacks, quarterback friendly system. And that's not every system out there. So that also limits his options. Right. Not only it's only a few spots open, but hell, are you going to like to play in that system? For a guy like Malik, that's going to be a big guy. You got to do some some homework now. Now you got to go watch some film. Got to go study some offenses. Got to go study some of these coordinators. And then you got to vet the culture. What if I don't even like that guy? What if I don't like the coach? He loved Sark. He loved him from Sark. All right? He, he <laughs> always talked about how much he loved Sark. Well, that's another thing. Now I got to go find a coach I like, a coach I, you know, have a connection with, chemistry with. You know, it, it, it's good for these young guys. They have options. Um, but sometimes I think it, 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 I dread having to go through the recruiting process all over again because I remember initially how tough it was to make that decision and how thorough you had to be. And I wanted to do all my homework and research and make the right call. Now I'm happy 
I think a seven, as a 43-year-old man, I'm proud of a 17-year-old Rod D. I think I handled it pretty damn good. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like my, I was choosing now. I was choosing between Mac Brown, R.C. Slocum, Bobby mm-hmm. Bowden, and I did make a mistake. I uh, had Joe Paterno up in there too. So anyway, it wasn't all good. It wasn't all good. <laughs> hey, hey, Blake. On Wednesday nights, sometimes Rod breaks into a third-person Rod and calls himself Rod and, <laughs> and That's when they really get loose. They really get loose around here. Hey, hey so people are throwing out some things. So, hey, let's throw this out. Hey, Blake, you know, you're always like king of the nice guys. Nobody mm-hmm. ever says anything bad about you. No, I don't you're know like about that. Right? You're the son every mom wants to have. I can tell. <laughs> so what happens if the next two games, Quinn Ewers puts on the greatest show any collegiate quarterbacks ever put on. NFL scouts are wild. They say, this kid has got to come join my Chicago Bears, you know. We need this kid because he's a man. He's jumping. So don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think I think he's pretty dead set on coming back next year. Um, you know, Bobby, of course, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier today. Um, you know, Bobby said originally he thought the chances of Quinn coming back were 90%. And then reading the tea leaves, you know, from this situation of Malik uh leaving that could possibly go up even higher now. Mm. So, you know, he was thinking even 95%. I got to say, I'm in agreement with him. Um, and we've talked about it in the mornings for sure, that quarterbacks are a lot more successful in the NFL when they get that third full year, that third right. full season in there. So, man, I brought up a lot, you know, but I, I don't see it happening. I, what do you guys think on that one? Yeah, would, that's if, you're, if you're told you're in the top three, hey Rob, that's hard to turn down, right? Because that's what the kid's been shooting for his whole life. Yeah, if man, he would have to, he his draft stock would have to skyrocket because right yeah, now, yeah, I'm, I'm doing absolute best case scenario for that. Yes. For that, um, no, but if, listen, he could easily become a first round pick. I mean, right now, I think he's grading out as a second round pick, and I think his dream has always been, hey, I want to be a first round pick. And I got a chance yeah. to do that if I just stay in school, improve, and then come out in a, a less quarterback-saturated draft, right, which you deal with now. Uh, but think about it. He, he set all types of records, played the best game he's ever played in the Big 12 title game versus Oklahoma State, right, probably yeah. at the high school or the college level. I, I'm with you, but it's not out of the realm that if he goes yeah. up against Washington and, and throws before, I don't know, and 500, 500 yards – Versus yeah. Washington, and then has another game like that against Michigan or Alabama. That you know he shoot, he skyrockets up draft boards, and teams say, "Listen, he's a first round pick. He may not be one of the top three quarterbacks, but he's definitely going to be a first round pick." I could, I could see it. I could see him deciding, you know what, I'm going. I think right now, I'm. With, I think he's coming back because he's gotten the advice from his, you know, circle that he should come back, and I think he knows he's got things to work on, namely getting through progressions quicker and more efficiently and more effectively with better footwork and mechanics. And that's kind of the one thing he needs to work on that NFL scouts want to see. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And before I get some nasty grams my way, this is just a, a wild scenario I'm throwing out there. Ray, it may be 90% that Quinn's coming back. Ray is 100% wants Quinn to come back. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> no, no more beating up Ray on the internet. Okay, Ray's had enough to get beat up on the internet. No, oh no, no hate mail for Ray, please. We're hey, begging you. Do we really have a sponsor tonight, Blake? Hey, we do. We need to say thank you to Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. If you've uh, been injured in a wreck or on the job, then be sure to give Adam Lowy a call. He's helping injured Texans. Give him a call at 512-280-0800 or check him out at LoweyLawFirm.com. We want to thank him for sponsoring tonight's show. And guys, we talked about Malik Murphy in depth. We talked a little Quinn Ewers, but we haven't even touched on the bigger, or well, the the latest news, I guess you could say. It's just such an uh, action-packed day here. But the SEC schedule has been released. Hmm. And as you can see right here, we put it up on the screen. It's going to be start with Mississippi State at home, Oklahoma, of course, at the Cotton Bowl, hosting Georgia the week after. Oof. And then uh, going mm. to Vanderbilt, hosting Florida, going to Arkansas, hosting Kentucky, and then finishing it up with a Saturday game against AM after Thanksgiving. And uh, man, that Oklahoma Georgia back to back is what immediately sticks out yes. to me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. So what? That's, I, my eyes can't move away from Oklahoma and then Georgia right the very next week. Uh, so I, I, Mac Brown used to break the schedule up, you know, uh, into basically different different seasons. Essentially, he'd break it up into kind of three yeah. or four different seasons, depending on how the schedule laid out. And usually, it's centered around the Oklahoma gun. Basically, non conference will be its own season. Uh, get done with that. Just start of conference play, probably until the end of that basically whenever the Oklahoma game happens, he would start a new season right after the Oklahoma game. And it was smart essentially because he would say, and I agree with him now looking back at it after the Oklahoma game, whether you win or you you lose, you really got to recalibrate. Cause if you win that game, you were in the national championship conversation and you really had to worry about how you handle success. And you want the guys to keep their focus and make sure that they, you know, they still were on even kill, even though you were probably going to be catapulted into the top five in the country after that game. If you lost that game, uh, it does, it did, it feels like because of the pageantry and the theater, everything around it and the magnitude of it, it feels like a postseason game. It feels like, damn, man, our season's kind of over when you lose that game. Trust me, I lost it more than I wanted. Um, and Mac used to understand, all right, if you lose that game, then we definitely need to regroup. We got to, and that, if that happened this year, it had a bye week after, which really helped. But that psychologically helps the guys that you got to regroup after that. Season's not over. Let's, uh, you know, put our, let's recalibrate with the goals and let's reassess things and then figure out where we are. So they don't, they don't have a chance to do that this year. I don't know if you can do that with Georgia right afterwards. Right? <laughs> That's a different monster altogether. Blake, can you put the schedule yeah. back up? Yeah. It uh, looks like. If my math is correct, looking at dates, we go from one month to the other. But uh, the bye week is actually before Oklahoma. Correct. Yeah. Yep. October fifth, and this year two oh. bye weeks: uh, October fifth, and then November the second. Nice. Let's look at the thing in whole, including the non-conferences. So obviously, at Michigan's a, a bear. So that's that's massive. That'll be the game of the early year. That'll be this year's Texas at Alabama, and maybe it'll have implications like this one did. Um, let's hope. Colorado State at home. I mean, they can be spicy, but we should win that one. At Michigan is the the big uh, game that'll be a traditional powers. Yep. Uh, at home, at home, at home, and Mississippi State making a coaching change. We got Jeff Levy throwing the ball all over the yard there. We should still be uh, better than them at that point. A week off, then we prep 
Uh, we've been preparing for Oklahoma since the off season, to be honest with you. I think Rod will probably agree with that sentiment. We always yep. Yep. work on Oklahoma. So yeah, that's the the rough stretch right there. Oklahoma, and then but at least Georgia's at home. Um, and then if Vanderbilt stays true to form, that shouldn't be that big a challenge. We're at home against Florida. Florida going through Murderer's Row in 2024, the toughest schedule of anybody. You got at Arkansas. We'll see how the, if they rebound this year with you know Bobby at offensive coordinator. Uh, and then you got Kentucky, which is you know. Eight and four is an incredible season for the Wildcats. And then you got the big game against the Texas A&M the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So, you know what? This could be worse. Um, that Obviously, Oklahoma and then Georgia in a row, but at least the Georgia game's at home. So, I've seen worse. So, it's uh, – it's a favorable schedule in a lot of ways because of yeah. that bye week, because of the two bye weeks, by the way. Uh, it divides the schedule up for you. So you get the bye week before Oklahoma. Essentially, you would divide the season up into kind of three different right seasons and schedules, if you will. You go non-conference with that Michigan game, and then the start of the SEC uh, schedule with that Mississippi State game, and then you got the bye week before Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma, Georgia, Vandy. And, you know, not that Vandy shouldn't get any respect, but that session of your schedule, that part of it is all about Oklahoma and Georgia. And like you said, for big games, coaches usually do a little game planning <laughs> in the offseason. They devote a little extra time. Now, in the SEC, got a lot more big games. But usually, got Michigan circled, got Oklahoma circled, Georgia circled, A&M circled. Uh, so a lot more big games, right? Last year, was just Alabama Oklahoma pretty much were your big marquee games that you probably did. We know Sark did a lot of prep in the offseason for Alabama, right? We know that. Uh, I'm assuming that was the same case for Oklahoma as well. That's what coaches do for marquee big games. They spend more time on it. That's why if you want to win big games, you got to break tendency because the coaches, even in this game coming up in the Sugar Bowl, you want to win a big game, you got to break tendency because coaches know it. They know all your tendencies. They know all your traits, your trends. They, they're studying all that. The support staff, they got a, they got 50 Rod Bs, all right, in a little room. They're just studying data and looking at data points and trends. They got a bunch of me's over there, man. All right, so they know your trends. And the best way for you to be able to, be able to win that game is to be able to know when to break tendency and, be, you know, and, and know how to do it at the right time. Um, but yeah, I think that this schedule, I'm with you, right? I like the schedule. I don't like it, but I, it's favorable. I think Texas yeah. is, is look, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Hey, we got a, a super chat real quick. I want to read guys as it pertains to what we're talking about. Johnny Epps says, I already got my tickets for UTSA in mm. Georgia. Yep. It's definitely hurting my pockets. Mm. Hook them. Thank you, Johnny. And I bet it is, especially that Georgia game. Ugh. Yeah. I'm uh, a guy who always looks for the bargain uh, seats. And so I don't know that I'll have that opportunity moving <laughs> forward in the uh, SEC. So maybe, uh, yeah, raise uh, up in the, the rafters and the nosebleeds uh, for a reasonable price. I don't know if that's going to happen much anymore, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll still manage a few. But uh, hey, Blake, can I ask you a favor? Because you're the guy who has the good computer and know how to use it without yep. the screen going yep. to black, like what happens when I try to run things. <laughs> Is there a way to get Oklahoma's schedule up? I'm just curious to see what their schedule looks like without an yeah. offensive line. Well, hey, give me year. just a second here. Yeah, it doesn't need to be as pretty as the one Matthew prepared for us. <laughs> yeah, just in, something would be nice to kind of see what the Sooners have going on. Yeah, the reports are that they're going to have zero returning starting offensive linemen, which is which that's phenomenal, that's right? How does yeah, that that's, 
be an issue. But you know, the beauty the beauty of that is this has a downside, ugly side to the transfer portal, then as a an upside to the transfer portal. Listen, Deion Sanders has overhauled his offensive line in 72 hours of the transfer mm-hmm. portal. He's got four offensive linemen that he picked up in the transfer portal, and they got one of the top highest recruited, uh, highest rated uh, recruits on the O line as well. So essentially, they figured out their O line. That the transfer portal makes that possible. The downside is it also makes it possible that you can lose a lot of offensive linemen and have guys declare for the draft, potentially like Oklahoma did, and then have zero returning starting offensive linemen. But uh, Brett Venables has that option to do what Dion just did. Just go rebuild the whole damn thing via the portal. That's what the portal is for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for urgent, immediate needs like that. There you go. There we go, guys. Hey, Blake, you're going to put that on a in Blake if you don't mind. I know you're the host, and I apologize for kind of. No, you're good. All over you, but I love Lane Seawright's um, super chat after we talk about Oklahoma because he's got a good point. Because the SEC would always have a cupcake at the end of the year, right? I don't know yeah. that we we ain't got that. <laughs> yeah, let, let me go ahead and discuss that real quick. Lane says, "Do we not get a fluff game late in the season? I thought SEC does it week twelve or so." Yeah, Oklahoma kind of gets one in Maine. <laughs> there ain't no yeah, doubt about that's, that. That's exactly what that is. So, uh, how about that? That's I mean, an interesting point. Maybe yeah, it's I the mean, way that you know we picked Michigan, uh, Alabama the prior two years. So other people have a directional state. You know you. <laughs> so okay, so we got uh, Temple Owls. That's going to be at home, home against the Cougars. So that's uh, no longer a conference game. So that's out of conference. Um, three straight home games. How about that? Four. Look at that. Four straight home games for Oklahoma, unless I'm misreading that. No. So that looks like Start right? season. Yeah, that's crazy, actually. And then Auburn, then neutral site, back home, then finally at Ole Miss. They got a lot of home games. Gee, yeah. what do they have four at? They got four road games all year, out of twelve. You get Alabama at home. Yeah, that's. Not too shabby. At LSU is going to be tough. That's that's uh, significant. At Missouri, we'll see if Eli keeps Missouri up. So this is, well, you know, I don't know. They, I mean, I know that they are. Uh, they lost a lot of guys in the portal, and they'll be uh, breaking in their young quarterback. You know, it could be a lot worse for Oklahoma too, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's. Like you said, it could be a lot worse. It could have that Florida schedule, <laughs> that murderer's <laughs> row schedule, especially there at the end of the season. So, I mean, honestly, I, I think Texas and Oklahoma, while it's not the easiest, it's also nowhere near the hardest by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I, I can't wow. believe they only got four road games. That's that's that's, um, that's I can't believe that. Well, I guess technically the the Texas game is a neutral site game. Yeah, so that's away from home, but still. That's pretty good. Yeah, and yeah. LSU, Ole Miss. I mean, and they're those are probably the two hardest road ones. Obviously, Missouri tough this year. We'll see how they are next year. But. I think it's pretty cool that Willie Fritz is just he's still going to end up playing Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> he's going to end up playing Oklahoma because yeah. we're from two lanes. I think that's pretty cool, actually. Hey, and you should never ask a question when you don't really know the answer. Sometimes on things like a live stream, but has anybody heard? Did we get the news today, tonight during the SEC release schedule about the pod thing, the three team, four team? Has that been established, or is that something still to be determined? I, Rod, I, you can put you on the spot. Wrong, but I haven't heard anything about that yeah. yet. 
Okay. I don't yeah, know. I, I, yeah, I don't know exactly what. Well, we do we have Arkansas on ours? Texas has Texas has their rivals, so I think that's they went with the model of giving them their multiple rivals. Yeah. So okay. who knows? I yeah, maybe we'll probably find that out sooner or later on what exactly they're they're going to be doing there. Yeah, because they were they were going to go with either one permanent opponent and then rotating the rest, or they were going to go with three annual three opponents you play annually, right? Something like that, and then you rotate mm-hmm. the rest of the schedules. And I I don't know. I think they're leaning toward giving you three or multiple rivals instead of just a one yeah. rival because that's problematic because yeah. not everybody would be happy with just one rival. And I know the Aggies had a problem with that, or some people had a problem with being matched up with the Aggies as their annual <laughs> rival. If you're going to be a matchmaker like that, you're potentially going to upset some folks if you only give them one rival when you're trying to you know, pair up these programs. Uh, and real quick, guys, we got some chat comments that is saying no divisions, no divisions, no pods, nothing like that. So I guess there you go. Now that's how they're going to roll with it this first year as Texas goes into the SEC. So awesome. All right, y'all, we need to move on here. We still got some more to talk about. We haven't even gotten to many questions yet. But Kobe Black, the Longhorns, of course, landed a big commitment from him. Ray, you were there. Rod, you're high. You're very high on Kobe Black. But, Ray, let's start with the ceremony. Kind of take us back to it for a minute. Uh, you know, lots of speaking engagements from his coaches. Can you run run it down for the people that, that didn't get to tune in live? Yeah. If you're not that familiar with the Waco area, Connolly High School is a uh, high school that was established back in the day when the Air Force had its uh, Connolly Air Force Base up north of Waco. It's even uh, north of uh, Bellmead, if you ever drive through that uh, area. And I've been through there and have driven five miles over the speed limit before. You don't want to do that. So be careful when you're driving through uh, Northcrest and Lacey Lakeview because they'll, they'll uh, take care of you and make sure your wallet's a little lighter as you leave there. So good advice from old Ray here. But it's a, a nice community up there, and they've got uh, good uh, sports programs. The last few years, the Conley Cadets have provided the Longhorns with a couple of good young players. Uh, Trey Wisner, the running back, uh, he actually transferred to DeSoto for his senior year, but had played prior to that at uh, Connolly and then Jelani McDonald, who we're still waiting to see exactly what position he plays, safety linebacker, uh, who knows what, but an incredible athlete. Both of those guys have been uh, amazing special teams uh, contributors this year, and Trey's been getting in at the end of games and uh, doing a good job uh, as running back in our last couple of uh, blowouts. But uh, Kobe Black is a cornerback, and I stood next to the youngster, and he is every bit of a six-foot-two. As the uh, as they said, and you know, good size, so probably around 200 pounds, and he's pretty fast guy. His father's a track athlete from high school that I knew back in the day, and played a college football at Blinn Junior College, and then transferred up to Kansas State, and was a, a teammate of Michael Bishop, and they were very close friends as well. So uh, they've got the good lineage there, good uh, background in collegiate athletics. Uh, Corey Black is Kobe's older brother and plays a uh, cornerback. For Oklahoma State, we saw him in the uh, Big 12 championship game get injured. There's been some conversation about him perhaps entering the portal and transferring and joining his uh, younger brother at Texas. None of that has happened yet, but we'll uh, keep an eye out for for that, obviously. But, uh, yeah, Kobe uh, was there at the ceremony at his high school. They had it in the uh, school auditorium there where they had some uh, drama presentations apparently last week that delayed the uh, – uh, announcement ceremony to this week. We're a week away from the official signing, but he committed to the Longhorns today. Big crowd. Uh, they cheered uh, 
loudly for when he announced that he was headed to the University of Texas. His parents are, are proud. His coach is really proud. And so, and I interviewed the the high school coach uh, Terry Garrick for Connolly and Keith Black and Kobe himself. Everybody mentioned Terry Joseph, the Texas defensive back coach, about how valuable he was to the uh, recruiting. So I know that people say, uh, well, Coach Joseph's great over in Louisiana. Well, he's great in Central Texas as well, North Central Texas and the Waco area because the Black family loved him. But a great turnout today for a a nice uh, kind of soft-spoken guy and Kobe Black, and we're expecting big things from him uh, as a cornerback moving forward. He insists, even though he's 6'2", 200-plus pounds, He's not a safety. He's a cornerback, and he wants you to know that. But uh, good event today. And, uh, Blake, maybe I have an interview from the coach that we'll try to maybe get – maybe we can get you guys to air that tomorrow morning on Coffee and Football. Yeah, I'll, I'll get with Matt and see if we can't get that up for everybody to hear. Yeah, I think people will like to, to hear that because not only does he talk about Kobe, he talks about the Texas program and what a good job they're doing recruiting his school. So I think that Longhorn fans will be happy to hear that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. For sure. Now, Rod, as I said a minute ago, you're very high on Kobe Black. Why don't you give people the rundown on, you know, what makes him such a special prospect? Um, and, oh, yeah, he is special. What I love, first of all, Ray did a great job with the interviews. And I, one of the uh, points that I heard Kobe Black say when you asked him um, just about how Tex was going to utilize him and, you know, how he envisioned uh, being uh, a, a pivotal piece for the Texas defense, he mentioned Ryan Watts and talked about the boundary side, which makes me think the coaches, when they're pitching him and they're talking to him about his future at Texas, they're envisioning him being that boundary corner, which means they want him to press a lot. Now, Texas wants to play more press man, field, and boundary. we actually seen them doing it uh, lately in the Tech game, the Oklahoma State game. They're doing it more and more. They got these young bucks that they like, Terrence Brooks, Malik Muhammad out there. They like these guys playing press. They want to do more of it. He can be a, a premier press corner on that boundary side. I think you can do it on the field side. I know he insists that he is a, you know, a, he's a cornerback, but I think he could be a, he can play safety too if you need him to play safety. He does have that kind of DB skill, but for the cornerback position, he's got really nice hips, uh, fluid hips, a uh, great athlete overall. They got him playing you know, wide receiver out there. They're trying to hand him off the ball on jet sweeps. So he's got ball skills. That's always a plus added value at the defensive back position. That means he could potentially be a ball hawk for you. Love ball minded players. All right. Cause those guys will get a forced turner. So he can get takeaways. Uh, Malik Muhammad is one of those guys, right? Ball minded defenders. Uh, he also is one of those guys that he's really patient. It's hard to teach patience. 
for young DBs. Young, a lot of young DBs, especially at the line of scrimmage, uh, they're impatient. Uh, they want to get their hands on the guy. So sometimes they'll overreach, hand placements a little off. This guy's really patient. What, what are you talking about? His hand placement? Or are you talking about waiting, uh, uh, waiting to jam or get a reroute or wide receiver? I love that about his game. He's also got really good feet. I mean, he he's got all the raw materials to be a premier press coverage corner. I think that's what they want to do more of. He's long. He's rangy. As long as he's got the work ethic, and as long as he's willing to be a student of the game, to learn to be a football investigator, pick up those little clues on, you know, what teams are trying to do and how they're trying to exploit them. I think this guy's going to end up being a starting corner for Texas at one point. Um, and he's got all the raw materials to, you know, be, be a next level player with a Sunday skill set. Yeah, for sure. And then, hey, Ray, real quick, I, I did want to ask you: Was that his older brother that was that was speaking at the very first of that? Because when we were streaming that live, we did have a few people ask that, and I thought that was the case, but I wasn't for sure. No, uh, his brother was sitting next to him at the table. Okay, and I didn't notice it at the time because I was there with my camera, and I, you know, you can't see anything through an iPhone camera doing this, trying to not to. I'm sorry if it looked like I was in an earthquake on occasion. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm an old man. I got the shakes, but um, I'm trying to do the best I can. But so I didn't notice it. But somebody I, I read uh, later that his brother was wearing a Longhorn hat, which was kind of surprising to see that Corey, an Oklahoma State cowboy, would be wearing a Longhorn cap. But maybe just in support of his little brother. So, but no, uh, it was the Black family up on the stage next to uh, Kobe. And uh, the folks who were speaking early on were a couple of his coaches. The first uh, younger coach to speak was, I think, one of his youth coaches who kind of almost wrote a poem about Kobe and, and read it for everyone. Yeah, and then uh, the next one was the high school basketball coach. And we've seen highlights of uh, Kobe over the years doing a monster, you know, rafter-shattering jams in the Colony Gymnasium because he's a great athlete and a good uh, basketball player as well. So – yeah, that was the second man to speak was his high school basketball coach. The first one was a youth coach who had coached him when he was in the grade school athletic events. So those were the first two to speak. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I just knew we had some questions about it earlier and we didn't get to ask you then. So I, I wanted to okay. find out for sure. All right, guys, I need to circle back around for a second because we missed the super chat here regarding the schedule and uh, Rocky Four here. Thank you for the super chat. He says, weird we play in Thanksgiving sat on Saturday. I uh, can't remember the last time that happened. Florida has the most brutal end of the season. Georgia, Texas, LSU, uh, Mississippi, and, or Ole Miss, and then Florida State. Mm. I, I do agree on the last part. And I I mean, it's always been, you know, Thursday, occasionally. Friday. Well, we, we, we've been doing Fridays a lot lately. I know that uh, we did Friday this year with Texas Tech, and then I know that we played Tech on a Friday after Thanksgiving in the rain a couple of years ago. I'm trying to remember what uh, last year's was. That wasn't TCU, was it? My iPad ran out, so I can't look it up. And um, But, uh, yeah, I, I think we've done some Saturdays post-Thanksgiving, but he probably recalls it better than I do that he – wrote it in the super chat so uh but we have done some fridays following uh that and i don't know that we've done many thanksgiving nights uh since texas a&m left the schedule so but yeah fridays for sure it was baylor uh that they played last year on the 12th. Oh, you're right. that's right and what day was that friday 
Yeah, Friday, uh, Friday, November the 25th, and that's when, of course, Texas won that one, 38 to 27. The Roshan Hurdle game. Yep. <laughs> yeah, That's right. All right, guys, well, we got some more questions here that we're going to get to, and uh, there's a few more Super Chats. Uh, Matthew Pointer, we do see your Super Chat. We thank you for it. Go back to Sunday night's live stream, and, and you can see Bobby's <laughs> answer there to that one. Uh, and let's say this one here from Carrie Stewart. Thank you, Carrie. Um, he says, Rod, mayor of Goat City, special team pick six. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that. Man. I appreciate that. that is, so, thank you, Carrie. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, we have this next one here, guys, from Russ Watkins. Thank you, Russ. He says, just want to say it's a great time to be a Longhorn fan. Hook them. And, you know, Bobby and I were talking about this earlier. I mean, they've been wandering in the desert for years, guys. It is a good time to be a Longhorn fan football-wise. You know, basketball coming off the Elite Eight. Baseball's had success. Women's basketball is doing well. Volleyball in the Final Four tomorrow. Like old time. Yeah, it does seem like uh, you're, we're hitting a golden era potentially again in Texas athletics. And it, by the way, the Texas athletics was doing perfectly fine. I mean, it was one of the best athletic departments mm -hmm. in the country it was just that was the case in spite of <laughs> football, yeah. right? It was yeah. not because of football. Now you're going to add football to that. I believe Texas is the first program that's had uh, their volleyball team and their football team in the Final Four. So, I mean, it's – yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Rod, Rod, remind me, are you 98 to 02 or 99 to 0? What was, what was your time here? 99 to 02. Yeah. So – that and that was a period of growth. That was when Matt kind of turned the corner with you know it was post Ricky, but yep. the next year following, so they had kind of laid some groundwork there. But it was your era with some of the big recruits, you know, Chris and um, the the lineman Corey. Corey Reddy. Reddy right? Yep. So that kind of turned things around. Those were the Arch Manning recruitments of the day, and then kind of the perception of Texas changed. What can happen for a sports program, the entire athletic program, when your football team starts turning the corner, the feeling starts lifting for everybody that, hey, things are heading in the right direction. What can that do for, I mean, just walking around campus? Is, are you walking a little straighter, your head a little higher? <laughs> How does that feel? Uh, well, no, I, I think, you know, it has a ton of benefits, right? There's just a lot of added value. When I came out uh, as, a, as a recruit, being recruited by Texas, you know, it's hard to think of this, but Texas was not a cool football program. They were not the it program. They were not at all. Mm -hmm. uh, they were, actually, actually, the Aggies had a kind of a cooler reputation with, as the record group than Lo right. the Longhorn football program had at the time. I'm just, just telling you as a as a young kid. And Mac Brown, I, Mac Brown understood this. Mac Brown was clever enough to understand. Hey, I got to make Texas cool again. I got to. He came from North Carolina. North Carolina was cool because it had the Nike brand. You had. And Michael Jordan, he had watched North Carolina basketball, all right? So he understood that, damn, North Carolina basketball, that brand is cool. And people just want to go there to be a part of that really cool brand. And I think he wanted to take some of that and take it to Texas. I know this because when he first got to Texas, Texas was a Reebok school, and Matt kept preaching to all the recruits, don't worry, we'll be Nike by the time you get here. We're going to be Nike. Don't worry about it. And he did that because he knew Reebok wasn't cool. The kids didn't want to wear Reebok. When no kids wearing Reebok, we were wearing Nike. And cool is currency in recruiting. And Sark, say what you want about Sark, but Sark has got a cool factor to him. 
whether you're talking about the shoes that he wears or his wife, L'Oreal, fashionista, mm -hmm. you know, dressing him so he's always pretty fly. I talked to Anthony Hill, and I talked to Anthony Hill, and we asked him, like, hey, man, what you like about Sark? He mentioned his shoes. That's one of the first things mm -hmm. he mentioned. He's like, yeah, I love Sark. Man, I love his shoes, though. His shoes are always clean. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's just an example. Listen, Dion won four damn games at, at Colorado, and yet was on TV and had big ratings because he's cool. Because Dion's cooler than your coach, all right? That's why Dion can recruit better than your coach, because he's cool, man. All right. And Ricky Williams was cool. And when I came to night, when I started coming to Texas, people don't get Ricky Williams made Texas cool again. Mac Brown yeah. weaponized because Mac Brown had a marketing mind. He's like, no, no, Ricky's cool. He's a he's a rebel with a cause. Um, he's everything that Texas is not. He's the counterculture guy. Texas was a little, you know, high sedity, and you know, they had a different reputation for being an uppity crowd. Rick ain't nothing uppity about Ricky Williams. He's the opposite of uppity, man. And I think that cool fact of that adding, you know, the, the the Nike brand to it, riding that Ricky Williams Heisman train, he 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 started to make getting Chris Sims, getting Chris Sims to flip. From but guys, I'm telling you, when I first got to Texas, when you Googled, because I, I don't know if it was Googling back then, it might be another search engine. But when you would search, because it was the beginning of the internet era, when you would search UT, you just put UT in the search engine, Tennessee would come up, guys, not mm. Texas. I BS you not. Now it's like Texas all the way when you put UT in any search engine. But th that's why Chris Sims was going to U University of Tennessee and not Texas at the time. He had committed to them. They had just won a national title. They're the ones who had the Manning, the latest Manning. It was it was, it was was Peyton Manning. Everybody wanted to be like Peyton Manning. He went there for that, and yet Matt Brown flipped it and turned UT Texas into the cool it school. It took him about a year and a half, two years, but once he got Sims, it was pretty much flipped. They brought the Nike brand on, and then you were able to recruit. Using that cool brand and that it that cool factor because Texas was the it school again. I feel that now. I didn't feel it really with Tom Herman, um, and I certainly didn't feel it with Charlie Strong, and didn't even feel it when Mac reinvented the program the way he did. Like you know, Texas had a they they were still cool, but then some somehow Texas they lost their luster as being a cool brand at one point. And when you're losing games, it's hard to be the it school again. Sark is flipping it. The Arch Manning recruitment, um, or a Sark style itself, um, you know, I mean, we, honestly, the offense itself, the offense is a, a stylistically, it's aesthetically pleasing. You know, I mean, Texas, in a lot of ways, is becoming an it school again. And I think, you know, winning is the biggest part of that. But I think it's also deliberate on Sark's part. Hey, I need to apologize. I screwed up real bad. So I knew that the guy sitting next to Kobe was his brother. It was a... It was not Corey Black, according to some of the posters. And I didn't confirm which of his brothers it was. So I believe what people are saying. And that makes a lot more sense because why would Corey Black put a long wear hat on, even if he loved his brother that much, right? Because he's a Oklahoma State Cowboy. Uh, so I apologize for that. So the other uh, older brother, the eldest brother, eldest son of Keith Black. So my apologies. So I appreciate you guys setting me straight on that. I'm always happy to... Uh, learn my lesson and take my licks. <laughs> hey, Rod, I was going to go back to your point about Colorado. Um, you know, talking about they, they lost, well, they did, let's just say they didn't win many games <laughs> this yeah. year, but I, I saw a, a deal yesterday. They were in the top five most watched teams of the 2023 <laughs> season. 
I mean, that's, that's crazy. crazy, man. That's wild. That's cool factor, man. That's that's the cool factor. People want to watch. Did you had celebrities on the side? We had rappers coming to the games, hanging yep. out, kicking on the sideline. It's like, what is going on? They're not even a good football team, but they're a cool football team. I think he learned a lot of that from Jerry Jones too. You know how to market himself. Dion's been a great marketing man forever, though. Even before he got with Jerry Jones, uh, he knows how to market and brand himself. But Texas, Texas has rebranded itself in terms of the football program. And I think now you're starting to see them reap some of the benefits of that in the recruiting game. Because even Kobe, uh, you know, Kobe Black talked about it. He's like, no, nah, I, mean, I want to I play with them now. I want to play with them. He said that. He's like, I want to play with that team right now, man. I wish I was on the team right now. And it, to me, that's him watching this team, watching the way they celebrate big plays, watching your style of play, watching how the enthusiasm they play with, watching the football culture, the football character of this team and going, damn, I want to be a part of that. And he ain't the only one watching it saying that. <laughs> hey, we got a super champ for you, Rod, from Cotton. He says, and thank you, Cotton. He says, Rod, admit that those black Reebok shoes were kind of cool. We need black Nikes now. Hey, hey, you know we was going to make them cool, man. Especially them icy whites. You go icy white, and then you go the all black shoes with the black spat. Oh, yeah, we're going to make them clean. But, hey, mm. trust me, we all – listen, my, I had so many – I lost so many toenails wearing Reebok. I got to tell you, I can't tell you how many times I lost. I lost, like, four toenails. Just wearing Reebok shoes. I ain't hating on the Reebok, but that's just the reality of You don't make good football cleats. We went to Nike, and I got to, I think my game went to another level when we started wearing Nike. It did. My swag level went to another level, man. Come on. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> well, moving on, guys. We got a question here from Pivo44. I, I don't see it. Let's get y'all's opinion. Any chance that Mitchell and Worthy return next season as Rod shakes his head? No. <laughs> Uh, Rod, I'm gonna let you start. <laughs> no, nah, no chance, brother. Uh, hell, and I think maybe may more for AD Mitchell than Xavier Worthy. For Xavier Worthy, I would say there's maybe one percent chance that he returns. Ninety nine percent chance he goes. AD Mitchell, uh, maybe a twenty five percent chance oh, well, that he you're actually doing higher percentage than. Yeah, he might yeah. think about it, you know. But I, I think Xavier Worthy is gone, gone, baby, gone. I just, this, yeah. I mean, I'm basing that on just the the, the disposition of the the players, like and just there the, from the first, from meeting uh, you know those guys a couple of times, and from the accounts of people close to him. I think X Man's gone. <laughs> his yeah. mom even said he was gone. His mom, his mama said he was gone. If your mama saying this is your last game at Texas, then mama no. Come on, <laughs> right here, thought. And he just needs to get in front of a few guys holding a stopwatch. And then they look up in amazement at what he just ran. And they said, you young man are on our radar a lot higher than some people think. And then X is gone. So he's going to run really well. I mean, they, you know, they did the GPS on him, 22 point something or other the other day in the championship game. So, and and I, I know that he was in a boot on crutches at the end, but, He's been getting nicked up all year. So he yeah. comes back the next week running 22 miles an hour. So I don't know how he does it. <laughs> so remember when Vince played Missouri that year and got uh, – or Kansas State, which one? Uh, and got his knee bent back and everything. Oh, my God, that's the end of Vince Young's career, and he's back later that game. So I don't know if he's got the same kind of ligaments that uh, VY had, but uh, thank goodness for those amazing guys that uh, get out there and give their all for the – 
for the Horns. Uh, they're pretty amazing uh, athletes, and uh, we're, we're lucky to have these guys represent our university. And yeah, Xavier is going to have an opportunity. Uh, yeah, they're going to fall in love with his speed. He's doing much better with the non-broken hand this year, catching the football. Uh, as far as uh, Ed and I, yeah, I can see. So Rod even threw out the number 25%. I know he was just vamping there. I was maybe thinking quite a bit lower, but I, yeah, I would see there's been some talk about how he might look at the draft class and maybe decide that maybe coming back another year paired with Quinn and killing it again might uh, improve his stock compared to other guys coming out. But yeah, he's going to have a really good tape to show the NFL as well. So, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say this um, to add to what Ray said, uh, not that mock drafts matter, but I'm a mock slut. I'll look at anybody's mock draft. I mean, <laughs> you got a mock draft, you, you send that to me, I'll check out your mock draft right now. I'll look at any other, you don't even have to have credibility. You got a mock draft, right? Be going to take it. I'm going to click that. Um, and I'll, I'll, most of the mock drafts that I look at have A.D. Mitchell actually going ahead of Xavier Worthy. Which mm -hmm. is which is wild to me because I yeah I mean it's I think Xavier Worthy's a tougher guy to cover but both those guys are great AD Mitchell's awesome I think that the NFL just loves his size to your point though about Xavier Worthy and the speed uh, real analytics they do uh, in game live GPS trackers so they track all ball carriers in college football all season long and they have declared Xavier Worthy the fastest player in college football. He was wow. the fastest player tracked in real time in any game this season at 22.7 miles per hour. Jaden Blue actually was ninth. They have him as the fastest running back in the country that got clocked. Just a little shout out there to my man Jaden Blue. But, yeah, Xavier Worthy, man, speed demon. We're going to miss his speed. His speed is rare. He might he might be clocked as the fastest wide receiver potentially at the combine. I mean, he's got that kind of high-end speed. Mm. So Matt Miller comes out with a new with came out with a new draft today. Rod, did you happen to see it yet? No. Okay. Ooh, don't spoil it for me. Don't spoil it. I'm just joking. I'm going to spoil just two for you. So he he Matt Miller with ESPN. He's he's been on on Texas football. He's great. great guy yeah, great. and and loves the Longhorns. Um, but he has Worthy going 19 overall to the Bucks, nice. and then Mitchell 27 overall to the Chiefs. So there two wide receivers. In the, yeah, <laughs> I bet it's baby worthy would like to switch that up. I mean, they was like, you know what? No, no, no. We'll try, try you. Y'all take AD to the Bucks and let me go to the Chiefs. Dude, you want to go to the Chiefs wide receiving court might be the worst wide receiving court in the league right now. They lost yeah. like three games this season purely on the ineptitude and incompetence of the wide receiving core. And they got the best quarterback in the league and the best play caller in the league in Andy Reid. No, Xavier Worthy, you got to get to Kansas City. Talk to your agent today. <laughs> to Kansas City, have them trade up to go get you. Because I got to tell you, you will do, that's the difference between you being a Hall of Famer potentially and you just being a jag in the league. All right? I mean, not as Xavier Worthy is great. He's awesome. But, hell, man, the league is a league. A lot of guys who are great in college, yeah. and that league is the league. The difference is the system you play in, the players you play with, the organizations you play for. And the Kansas City Chiefs check all them boxes for X-Men. X-Men, get to Kansas City. And honestly, X-Men fits Kansas City and Andy Reid's offense better than A.D. Mitchell does. So I'm yeah. just throwing it out there. Hey, don't let it happen to you. Don't go, man, don't go to the Bucks. Who's going to be your quarterback with the Bucks? Baker Mayfield? <laughs> Come on, man. He's the guy now. Uh, uh, nothing against Baker. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, while we're on the subject of Worthy, uh, Hervin ha has a question. He says, "What's the status of Worthy's injury?" Last I heard, they thought he was going to be good to go, 
Y'all heard any difference? Larry's ready. We're more tied into the market than I am living in Austin, and I'm not that far away. And I am a consumer of all the information like you guys are. But um, yeah, there was, you know, I think even Coach Sarkeesian said that he was out of the boot and doing okay when he spoke last week. And so, yeah, I, I suspect that he'll he'll be good to go. And what are they getting back to practice Friday? Is that mm-hmm. what's happening? I don't know if we. Uh, I believe that's what I heard. So we'll see then, perhaps if we can get some updates from what's and, happening. And, and if he's not completely healthy for the start of their bowl practices, I can tell you right now, guys. Guys like Xavier Worthy, they don't practice a ton, um, especially early on in the bowl season. Especially this for these early bowl practices, might as well be spring ball practices. Young guys going to get a ton of reps. Older guys who are your frontline guys, they're going to make sure they're completely healthy. They're as healthy as they can get. So you'll get them them shell reps, which basically is not full pads, a helmet and some shoulder pads. Hell, I don't even know how often they'll be in full pads. Uh, not all the guys. For the younger guys, though, younger guys usually get a, the, a, bulk, a big bulk of the early bowl, the bowl reps. Now, I never – played for a national title. So maybe it's a little different, <laughs> more on the line. Um, but I, I think they want the guys as fresh as possible. Xavier Worthy going to be fine. And he's showing, uh, maybe it's just theater. He is showing NFL he's tough. And maybe that's what they're doing, guys. Think about it. Because he's getting, he's leaving the game, limping, and like racing. He's got people holding him up, walking off the field, being escorted off the field. Longhorn fans having a heart attack. And then he comes back out there and returns a punt and gets up to 20-something miles per hour. Thinking like, right. And what, what's your first thought? Damn, he's tough. Damn, he's tough. And what's going to be the big knock on Xavier Worthy coming out? Man, he's slight. He's small. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's tough enough to make it in the league. And I think Sark, I think maybe it's a little theory going on. Sark's like, you know what? We're going to make sure they know you're tough, man. You lead this game a couple of times, come back in. We got this. Go ahead. Then show them how tough you are. You know, run over some people on the goal line. We'll uh, be able to persuade all those NFL scouts that you got what it takes and you got toughness. That's just a random theory. Because I don't know why the hell they keep leaving the game and coming back in. Don't leave the game, man. Just walk it off. Why you got to be escorted to the locker room and scare the hell out of all the Longhorn fans? <laughs> that's very true right <laughs> very oh, true all right guys we got another super chat uh from nigel robertson and he says rod who will re- replicate oh. michael Penix in practice damn that's good because that would have been malik yeah. malik was perfect for that big arm quarterback that likes to throw off his back foot that's perfect he can play that role any day damn that's good honestly I might have to let Quinn get some of them snaps over there with the scout team and give me some uh, give me some Michael Penix reps. I mean, Arch probably could do it. Arch, you know, Arch yeah. Arch's arm strength is a little bit different than that, though. Michael Penix, he's got a cannon. He's got an absolute cannon. But you know what? Maybe Arch can do it. I, I think Texas. Go back and watch if you got if you guys have time. I know you guys have lives. You're not like me. Um, mm-hmm. Go back and watch that Washington um, game from last season. I'll be breaking it down here on on Texas football in the oncoming weeks. But that defensive game plan, I forgot how good it was. That was a good defensive game plan versus the passing offense of Washington. Think about this. They held him to his lowest yards per attempt in the last two years was in that game. In 2023 and 2022, lowest yards per attempt in that Alamo Bowl. It was one of his lowest completion percentages of his career. Hell, guys, he didn't even – you know, they completed one deep ball. They were one of 10 on passes 20 yards or more down the field. One deep. It was the first play of the game. It was a flea flicker mm-hmm. on the first play of the game. Texas was sleeping, thinking they were going to run the ball, and they did a little flea flicker and caught Texas sleeping. But after that, Texas shut them down. 
the reason Texas lost that game on defense anyway was because they let them rush for too many yards. So I think, you know, their game plan to, to, to neutralize the deep ball, they kept a lot of the safeties back deep, played with lighter boxes. Washington recognized that, ran the football, average over five and a half yards per carry, 158 rushing yards, and Texas couldn't get off the field. G-O-T-L, get off the field. They allowed them to be 13 of 23. That's over 50, what, 6% on third and fourth downs. They couldn't get off the damn field. This year, though, what's the difference? Texas got a top five rush defense and a top five third down defense in the country. So no matter what happens, if Texas keep the same defensive game plan, the way they lost the game won't play out this season because the rush defense is too damn good. They can stop the run with a light box because they got the best D-tackle duo in the country. And I think they actually are better in pass D. I don't think I, they are better in pass defense in a lot of ways, personnel wise, than they were last season. Um, but like I said, we'll see. I'm feeling more and more confident about the Longhorns in this matchup the more film I watch. How about that? Mm-hmm. And the Texas offense will be much improved this year than what we put on the field. Quinn was good last year. One of his better games of the year in that Alamo Bowl. But he had his two top running backs sit out. One kid had a a hernia acting up that he put his surgery off and still, I think, caught a touchdown. Was it Jay Brooks? Brooks Brooks did. And then uh, Keelan didn't have the greatest. He was trying to run up the middle, which isn't his game. So we didn't have much of a run game that night. It was mostly mm-hmm. Quinn, but we, it was 27-20, right? So, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we held with them. Uh, there was a lot of talk about how Washington was a team on the come, and I think we saw that, and it's kind of played out this year. So that was actually a preview of two teams that would be really good mm-hmm. in 2023 in last year's Alamo Bowl. So we'll yeah. be better, though, because we got a much – even without Jonathan Brooks this year. Agreed. With the way oh. uh, James stepped up. I mean, Blue's been incredible here. And then uh, Baxter running hard and Keelan coming on. So, yeah, we're, we're actually going to be a lot stronger in the run game and the in- increased uh, receiving power with uh, Xavier without a broken hand and with Adnai and uh, JT Sanders yeah. at right yeah. And Whittington. Yeah. And yeah. Went, right? yeah. <laughs> and Whittington's <laughs> been awesome lately. I mean, I, I don't know what's – is there – you think there's a strategic change that they're looking it's, at him more, Rod? Because they yeah, really – I was talking about him earlier. That's interesting you bring that up, Ray. Essentially, my theory is that he will always get man coverage. Always. Like, you have to you have to double X-man or roll coverage to A.D. Mitchell. And then you got J.T. Sanders. So I'm, I might double that dude depending on the down and distance and the situation. You're never, ever going to decide you're going to double team Jay Witt this time. Let's roll, let's roll coverage to Jay Witt. He'll always get single coverage. And he'll always be get the least amount of attention from a defense. And I think now this late in the season, teams have been game planning. We got to stop AD. We got to stop JT. We got to stop X Man. And it's like, hell, man. What about Jay Witt? Man, the hell with Jay Witt. Jay Witt beat us. Then, hey, you know what? Good for him. But we can't let the other guys uh, be those those guys get weaponized. I just think he just he just doesn't get a lot of attention. And how can you give him attention? I mean, he's in man-to-man coverage all the time because you can't devote resources to stop all those weapons Texas has. Mm-hmm. And that no. yak from uh, Wit has been pretty incredible. That kid, uh, you know, borderline five-star coming out of Cuero many years ago. Fought through all those mm-hmm. injuries, all the soft tissue things, the hernias, sports hernias. So to see him come on and uh, stick around for another year and then have this kind of a impact is pretty great to see.
Hey, Blake, you've been playing hurt, buddy. I mean, you've been, you've been, when did you start coffee and football this morning? Oh, man, we, we, start, 8 a.m. is the, is when we got rolling this morning. <laughs> and then you did, uh, you were on the Kobe Black thing too. So if you need to wrap it up here, we're, we're yeah, good. We're, I don't know if we have any super chats, but it, yeah, you're, we've been on the, an hour and two minutes. So no shame in, uh, Calling it a day, buddy. You did. Uh, we'll, we'll do a couple more questions, okay. guys. Uh, then we'll get out of here. I'll, I'll answer this one from Jordan Baker. He says, "Any news on Xavier Filsimi? He will be visiting this tech or visiting Texas this weekend officially." I'd say he's on flip watch. <laughs> it sure sounds like Florida fans are are pretty much acting like it's over. So then, Ray, I'm gonna next question is gonna be for you from Paul. He says, Ray, did Mr. Black remember you covered him all those years ago before you brought it up in the interview? Yeah, I'm not certain. I think he's too nice a guy to tell me that. No, I don't know who the hell you are, Mister. Get out of my face. So, he, yeah, he's, he had a nice smile on his face, as uh, you know, face, and he was uh, very generous and gracious to me. So uh, maybe he did. Uh, most people just look at me and say, "Don't you owe me money?" <laughs> otherwise uh if, if he didn't remember me he was too nice to say leave me alone so uh, we're good there you go all right and then guys this will be for all of us here at the end this last question for tonight from pivo 44 he says who do you have in the michigan bama game that's good See, I wanted to play one of these two teams first, to be honest with you, because I thought it was a better matchup for us because uh, I'm not that scared by the passing game. Maybe, I mean, Michigan went full hazard games without throwing the ball. Um, yeah. So I, what other, I'm, I'm copying other people who are observers of college football. The reaction the Michigan team had when the, they announced the final four and they saw that Florida State was out and it would be Alabama. And there was like no discernible cheer in the room. And they're like, oh, we got Alabama in the first round. That's mm. not fair. So that kind of tells me that Michigan didn't want to face Alabama. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama. And, and again, I think that was a close one. But I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't own that. I'm just kind of like throwing out something right now. But probably a little bit of an Alabama just because they're going to come out with some playoff experience and uh, Michigan didn't handle it well last time against Texas Christian. So yeah, just a slight edge to Alabama. My initial, just throwing out, throwing out something here. Rod. Um, how, how many, I don't know how many mobile quarterbacks Michigan has played. Michigan's defense is really good. I and mean, I love that defense. It's a yeah. Defense. Uh, but I don't know how many mobile quarterbacks they play. that can move around like Jalen Miro. Um, don't know if they can simulate that really in practice. Sometimes that's tough. For any defense, even a good one, because just violates so much of the structural integrity of your defense. And Nick Saban's the goat. Um, man, that's tough. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean Michigan right now. I'm leaning Michigan in the defense, uh, just because I, I don't really trust the weapons for Alabama. I don't trust their wide receiver weapons. I wasn't impressed with their wide receivers. Were you guys? I still don't no, see how they're right. I was not, and I think you're gonna need some. You know, I, I think hell, if it's hard for Ohio State's wide receivers against Michigan, I think Alabama's receiver is going to have some trouble. But if Jalen Milrow is making plays, improvising, then all bets are off. So he could be the great equalizer. But right now, I'm a slight lean toward Michigan. Well, I'm going to go with Alabama just because I think you give Nick Saban a month to prepare, <laughs> you know, and just to focus in. And then Milrow, I think, has really come into form. You know, I mean, obviously, like you said, Rod, the, the receivers aren't super impressive. 
but I think there's enough talent there to get it done. But I do think it'll be a close one. I, I really, I really do. And obviously, so does Vegas with the spread. I think is what Michigan favored by two points. Oh, is so it? we'll see what happens. All right, guys, we got one more super chat, and it's a comment from Lane Seawright. Hey. He says, "Love what you guys do. OTF is the best." Well, Lane, we appreciate all your support and everybody's support out there for sure. on Texas football. Without y'all, we wouldn't be here doing this. Amen, brother. Amen. Uh, Blake, what you got in the morning on coffee and football? I'm throwing it right. I'm so on a Blake right now. Hey, we 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 got a uh, we got a loaded show tomorrow. Uh, of course, we'll be rehashing all the news from today, which could just be its own show by itself. But guys, we're gonna have former national champion, current Kent State head coach Haley Eckerman on from the Texas nice. Playball program. That it was you know, the ESPN player of the year. I mean, all kinds of accolades and awards for Haley. She'll be joining us and, you know, telling Bobby and I a lot more than we, than we know. I mean, she, I'm <laughs> sure she's forgotten much more than Bobby and I even know about volleyball, but she'll be joining us to give us a preview of that final format. Tell her and telling us what she likes about Texas and sort of the keys to the game as they face a very tough number one seeded Wisconsin team. So it's going nice. to be a good one tomorrow. Hey, Blake, can you do me a favor? Ashton Holloman had a, a comment at 817 where he says Ray Peters needs to be on coffee and football. So I don't know if you can find that. Wait, there we go, right there. there. Yeah. Hey, there you go. hey, Ray's an old man, retired old fart. He's going to be sleeping in. <laughs> like the youngin. I'll get up a little bit late sometimes and weigh in on the YouTube uh, chat. But uh, I'll got to get you on there sometime, Ray. Right? You guys do a great job. Hey, I had fun. Hey, Blake, I know that you um, don't want to work, you know, 18 hours straight every day, man, but you're always welcome to hop on this Wednesday show. You're you're awesome, dude. Thanks, Hey, man. well, I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate y'all having me tonight, and we appreciate everybody out there watching, listening, however you're doing it. Uh, we just appreciate the support. Appreciate all the super chats as well. Be sure mm -hmm. to hit that like and subscribe button um, and then ring the bell if you haven't already. So that way you're notified anytime and every time a new video is posted right here on on Texas football. So when Ray and Rod and the rest of the crew goes live, you'll know that they're live and you can tune in. So uh, for Rod Babers and Ray Peters, I'm Blake Monroe, and I'll see you tomorrow morning on Coffee and Football <laughs> beginning at 8 a.m. right here on on Texas football. Hook em. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>